internet. I'm Business Cat. I'm so happy you found your way back to us. You, you found your way through the information superhighway, through, through the pipes, through the pipes, through the ones and the zeros, and you came out here. Welcome back. In this conversation, we talk about what drives us. Fundamentals brought up the idea of uh, affirmative purpose, and then we got into some Bitcoin ETF talk and a little bit of geopolitics, too, there at the end. If you like our content and would like to support the show, you can stream us at by listening on an app like Fountain FM. Or you can, uh, you can stream us stats while you listen, or you can drop us a boostagram with some sats and a comment. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can contribute a bit of your hash power to us using any Lincoin stratum address with our show's username, rockpaperbitcoin dot whatever uh, worker name you want to put on the end of it there. Finally, thank you so much for listening. We love you so much. Let's get into it. Probably gonna make a really good musical choice to be fading right out into my voice at this very moment. I try uh. to I try to pick music based on the conversation we have, but so yeah, I I know the topics that we're gonna talk about, but I don't know how it's gonna go. So we'll see. I have some ideas for the music, but we're nothing nothing solid yet. You know, funny quick thing on music, right? Like when we started the podcast, I had an idea. Like I sent you a bunch of tracks. I'm a musician, and mm-hmm. we started with that for a little bit, and then at some point, you're like, yeah, it's not the mood. And dude, I love the music you pick. Like, oh, good. I love it. I feel like every time it's appropriate. Like sometimes these, I learn about new music this way, and um, I actually am glad you made you make the executive decisions right now on the music. It's working. <laughs> I've yeah, I have a nice long list of things that I've considered, but yeah, there's there's lots of stuff that I think would be a great intro to an audio podcast but it just it doesn't fit with anything we've done yet so they're just in in waiting and you did get a compliment on um one of my telegrams by uh from uh, breed loves video man shout out to jeremy he um you know now in my like if i'm being totally honest last week i thought maybe the musical intro was long but Mm -hmm. but i like i don't know it's no, I made. agree. That I that occurred to me while I was doing it. Uh, so yeah, it, Jeremy's a fan of Daft Punk. That's. Uh... But you got a very credible shout out and a very you know cred. So and for me, like honestly, I'm like being genuinely honest. Like I love that you even did, like you you could have been worried about my feelings and stuff like that. And I'm glad you just powered through and put the music you thought was appropriate here. The the music last week was, it, the the intro was long just because I mean I wanted to get into the lyrics of them talking yeah. human after anyway, but because I said to Jeremy because uh, we have like a, at the Bitcoin John I bombard them with my fish theories like mm-hmm. nonstop and so I said well yeah it has to be business cat has to pick the music because if it were up to me I would have like fifteen minute fish jams like and it, like every note is important so it has to. I've never <laughs> listened to much, like, I'm aware of Fish anecdotally, but, I mean, since we've been recording this, I've listened to quite a bit of Fish looking for intro music, and, like, I, <laughs> yeah, so far I haven't found anything that matches up. But, that's yeah, touching just, that you would do that. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's like, I, I, I want to reflect both of us in this, so, yeah, that's, I, I've been I, doing my research. I think what I would probably do is, like, if something really struck me, is connecting with the Bitcoin signal that I am fairly certain and I've written about, you know, like fishes coincided with, mm-hmm. I would probably just tell you like, yeah, this would be a killer intro or a killer outro because of the conversation we just had. Well, if you have thoughts, I'm always, I'm definitely open to them. So anyway, shout out to you on the music and uh, good shit there. Well, thank you. That's, uh, I mean, so on the topic <laughs> of like, yeah, why are we doing this podcast? Mm. One of the things that I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of is yeah the the music the intro and outro music of finding things that line up, and then yeah not not being worried at all about copyright is yeah that's that's fun to me. Yeah, so you know I could go really deep into a fish rant at this very moment. I'm only going to mention them. I'm going to graze. I'm going to graze them for a second because you mentioned why we do this, and um, I started thinking about it and. I, just for the audience's information, the band Fish, um, you know, really came up in the 80s and 90s, defeated the money printer, overcame the money printer that made it really impossible for a grassroots band to ever be known by anybody. 
And if you get to know them at all, you'll realize that their entire purpose, their entire purpose was just to be, just to make good music and have a place for their friends and family to go to and hang out. And they've been now doing it for almost 40 years. Mm -hmm. Um, When I think about why we do this pod, you know, I I think about, uh, you and I are connected by Meetup and have a group of friends that's connected through the meetup and i just i think about creating like a force field of signal for our friends and family and you know i see it now like this is going to be when it gets released i'm guessing number 10 i'm not exactly sure yeah this should be number 10 all right and i've already like you know i've noticed week by week it's like the signal is getting the signal gets stronger and we have more to talk about our friends i.e who I consider like our friends and family that we're connected with, which is the which are the meetups. Yeah, our local Bitcoin that network. We're part of. Yeah, and that we're building. Are, to me, it's getting a much stronger, um, much stronger kind of force field of signal because that's all we focus on, right? We don't. We're not doing like macro. We're not doing like what all the circle jerk is doing out there. Like I think you both, you and I both agreed we were just not interested in doing that. Like we just wanted to. Uh, spill out what's in our heads, right? Right. And what yep. we're focused on. It's a Bitcoin themed podcast, but it also is just as much about yeah. our li- our day to day lives and how we are encountering the Bitcoin network in Central Pennsylvania. That's <laughs> so funny because I know I feel like I feel like any second now we're gonna then get into some topical topic that everybody's talking about. But <laughs> oh, we, I'm sure we will. But I don't like you know you and I also talk like we don't want to talk about these things unless we have like. A, I think a differentiated view, you know, we're not trying to echo. We're not trying to get engagement. We're not trying to just, you know, we are providing something unique. This hat that what you're touching on right there has been an interesting experience for me. Cause yeah, like I put it, put like getting through in my brain, like, okay, where is, so something happens in the world and then figuring out how I feel about it and my opinions about it without being, without letting myself be influenced by other people is I'm finding myself listening to less podcasts leading up to this podcast because I want to have more unique thoughts. Yes. On my, so when I started on my Bitcoin journey, I listened to safety so much. I was part of a seminar and I was doing every class on a seminar. At some point I had to tell myself, I have to stop actually listening to him because he's become too embedded into my mind. Mm-hmm. Like almost like I'm thinking with his voice. Um, same thing happened along the line with like the Swan stuff, right? Started listening to that all the time. And it reminded me like, um, again, everything goes back to fish, but like Trey Anastasio, who's the leader of fish, he had to stop like listening to the Grateful Dead for a long period of time because he was worried it would get in the way of his originality. Right. That makes sense. So that's what you just reminded me of, right? And it's like we I think we both are we both practice that discipline of um I think of having something to say that's ours. That we actually that's why we do it really is why we do this. Like we both have we both have views and something to say, and we interact fairly well together. I think you know, we oppose each other in a kind of a nice, resonant manner. And but we Definitely, both have the thing yeah. that unites Bitcoiners is Bitcoin. Everything else is yeah. a question mark if we agree about it. But we all we all agree about Bitcoin. I think thinking about like yeah the the fundamental reasons why like I want to record a podcast and get my thoughts out of my brain out there onto the internet is because we're fighting a culture war right now. Like we have been losing the culture war to the left for a long time. I kind of, for a long time, I mean, I was a leftist for a long time until I encountered Bitcoin. Bitcoin started my uh, my path to, I guess, extract myself from the left versus right dynamic. Mm-hmm. I kind of view myself like outside of that system now. Um, and yeah, but like, so there is an ongoing culture war going on right now. And I have my thoughts and values and if nobody else is going to stand up and I mean, that's I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say nobody else. There are other people standing up and expressing my value structures. But I mean, I I am sovereign in as many ways as I can be, like from my money to my food to my per, like the, the defense of my family and 
putting more signal out there into the world about the importance of sovereignty is I is some is a thing that is worth devoting some time to, in my opinion. So yeah, the culture war is ongoing, and hey, I, I just uh, this podcast is a way for me to step to the front lines and throw some punches. That's really beautiful, dude. And I see you that way completely. Um, can I actually? I didn't think I was going to do this, but um, I posted something to Noster right before we started the podcast, and I didn't think it was going to connect to this conversation at all. What'd you post? Okay, and the reason I want to talk about it quickly is because it was replied to instantly by my favorite account, Nakamoto X, and I now oh, yes, the bot. Feel, I feel like Nakamoto. You know how like there's this there was this legend that like Seinfeld mentioned Superman in every episode mm-hmm. somehow. Feel like I've, I'm not I'm finding a way to get Nakamoto X, this bot who insists he's Satoshi, but he knows he's a bot on Noster. Anyway, but it's really about what we're what you're about. Um, I, I don't know what exactly triggered me to write this, but I said it's important to impose harmful things, but to have your identity be defined by that opposition is the road to being an NPC. Only an affirmative purpose can keep a person awake and focused. My affirmative purpose is what is possible through the deliberate adoption of the freedom technology called Bitcoin. What is affirmative? Is, is affirmative purpose like being proactive instead of reactive? Yeah, it's like, so, I, you know, the antis, there are a bunch of people. I mean, maybe it's 90% of the human beings walking around right now, but it's like, the, I call them the antis. Mm. It's like, I'm, I'm anti, yeah, I'm anti uh, whatever, I'm anti- it's the, those people. I'm anti meat. I'm anti fascist. You I'm say anything, and they, they're immediately actually those people. Yeah. Well, but like you know, but that's they define themselves as being anti something. Like I'm anti. Mm. I'm anti racist, and and you're usually anti something that's pretty bad. Okay. It's good, good to be anti that, but like the signal is zero from these people, right? Especially if you observe them over long periods of time, right? They never quite break out of this thing, right? Anti whatever, right? And it's like vegans. Maybe that's an affirmative, but it's not. It's a sneaky anti. All of us are looking right? for a tribe to fit in with. And <clears throat> but yeah, go ahead. The affirmative being about something is like really what connects you to the thing you mentioned, which is that every day is a war. Every day really is a war in observing how much of the world opposes the thing I am trying to build. And maybe it's like it's a lot easier to destroy something than to build something. Right. Like a million X. It's like a million X easier to destroy something than to build something. Mm-hmm. So if your opposition, if, you know, if, if the opposition the world is presenting to you is against destroying something, you're playing life on easy and your life is just going to be lame. That's a, that's a if, great point. Yeah. yeah. Like when college, when you're young, it's all you want to do is like you want to get like the world should be better. So we need to tear this world down to get there. And then when yes. you're older, it's kind of like the difference of like so the the parable of like there's there's two people wandering through it through a uh, field and they come across a, a very old fence. And the person on the left says this this is an old fence. We should tear it down. And the person on the right says, wait a minute. Before we tear this fence down, we should find out what this why was this fence built. And like, so to broaden that out to the rest of the world, it's like, we should be very careful about tearing down institutions and uh, pillars of trust in the legacy system until we know what they were there for. So, uh, yeah. And yeah, it's interesting. And I'm assuming you, it was a coincidence in your example that on the left was the idiot. Oh, I, I, <laughs> right I phrased, yeah, I phrased it that way very specifically <laughs> on the left and the right of the political spectrum. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, so conser- mean, conservatives yeah. are going to conserve that fence because they don't know why it was there. Whereas progressives, as we need to progress society forward and smooth out this field and get rid of that fence. It's like it's just it's two ways to approach a problem. But maybe that fence is there because there's a really angry bull over there who's going to come like just flatten you. It's like the fences mm-hmm. might might be there for a good reason. Like killdozer. All right. Maybe there's a rogue killdozer in the field who's going to come take you out if you take out the thing that was preventing him from doing that. I'm keeping that one alive as another thing I somehow repeat in every episode. I like it. <laughs> killdozer is a thing definitely worth repeating. But, you know, it's, yeah. So I was um, at dinner with one of our friends. I had dinner with uh, Shadrach a couple, di- couple nights ago, and 
among the many things we talked about, the thing that I think I'm left with most memorably is just just realization like Bitcoin is actually serious business. And, you know, we're not trifling out here, right? I mean, so like going back to what you're talking about, people that are uh, building their lives in reaction to something versus building their lives to build something. Like yeah, so somebody who is a vegan or has has focused their life. I mean, in, in my experience being a veteran, I see a lot of guys just who have captured in the time that they spent in the military and forever. They're just oh, I am prior military. I am a veteran. That is who I am, and that's whereas I don't really define myself. Yeah, I am prior military. I am a veteran, but I kind of whenever that comes out to people, they're kind of shocked because I don't carry my veteran status around like baggage. And there's like alcoholics, people that go to AA. It's like you are de- you are now changing the definition of your life from alcohol to uh, to the absence of alcohol. Like you're you're replacing yes. one thing with another. And there's actually a very fine line between um, being. If, if I say I am not something, most people are that something. Like being not something makes you that something. Like you right. dedicate your life to not being something. If you're willing to proper. define yourself in in parallel with something like that, then yeah, you are automatically attached to that thing. Right. And sometimes, you know, maybe your brain doesn't actually hear the word not. If you do it long enough, it, maybe your brain, you know, some, maybe your brain actually tunes that word out. This is a really good point you're making. Like in my like looking at the world right now, the people that I see focused the most on we need to get past racism we need we need we need to focus on like diversity is our strength like the people that focus on that the most i get the gut feeling that these are the most racist people among us yeah well okay i would take i would take this a little bit deeper i'm totally willing to this could this could be fun this is so funny man we are like 16 minutes in and this was like hey maybe we should mention this but let's just let's hit this for a second okay um, and the, the anti-racist thing. Um, I would I would say I was somebody since about the year two thousand who I defined my life as somebody who was uh, committed to like dismantling racism. Okay, in fact, I'd say mo- way more people in the world know me as that than know me as a bitcoiner. Um, all of the people who I haven't spoken to in 20 years, I'm sure just view me as, you know, that white knight type. But um, I was pretty serious about it. I was very well read on it. I was as serious as I am about Bitcoin as like ending racism, okay? Um, Depending on how you want to define racism and all that stuff, I would just say that it's 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 more of a distraction than a mission, okay? Yes. Um, and not that it's an unnecessary distraction. What I did not know, what I couldn't know, right, is how much the problem was amplified by fiat money. Mm-hmm. And once that, that's one of the reasons I fell so hard in the rabbit hole because I looked 20 years of reading books on you know racism. Well, I will say this. Um, the people who are obsessed with racism are what they're obsessed with is actually victimization, and this is the trap I fell in. Ah, yes. This is so I fell into this trap of um, insisting that people are the victims based on the group that they're in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's treating people as a group instead of individuals, which is like, like the basis of what the. Like that that is how we defeat racism is by treating people as individuals instead of groups. But yeah, oh, right. this whole this whole anti-racist group thing is from the outside perspective seems they are focusing on we need to like the black people need to have their own schools. The white people need to be suppressed and like be put into camps. Like this is not anti-racism that is being preached by these groups. It's definitely well, so what ends up happening, right, is this I'll take one of their words called colorization, right? They have a word, right? Colorization, which is like you're trying to you're trying to colorize people and um, you know associate traits, associate prejudices with somebody based on their color, right? Stereotypes. But once, like, this is what I figured out, right? 
is that we can't have it both ways. And this does this goes for race. This goes for anything where um, you have basically claimed some victim status based on a characteristic. It mm-hmm. could be race. It could be. I deserve religion. money for the work of my forefathers. So, well, it's not even that. It's like I just I demand that you understand what um, my group went through and therefore the impact that had on me. Like that's what the attitude I think of a that's the attitude of victimization, right? Mm. It's not like the desperate, horrible thing. It's communism. It's, it's you need to understand like it, what I'm saying at like without you. Yeah. The problem with it, okay. The problem with it. It's obviously like it's great. People should be sensitive to what people should understand what groups go through, and that's great. The problem with it is, it's hard then to say. It's hard to say I'm an individual and I'm different. And we're all the same. When you say, "Well, you should treat us all the same with regards to this, with regards to how right, with regards to how we've been treated, and with regards to what we've been through," you should always view a person of a certain group the same. Right, except you can't then turn around and say, "Hey, we're not a monolith. We're not all the same." Okay, um, this is something I like. I think I figured out this year, and I'm teaching it to my children. Like, you must deny any benefits to victimization. Okay, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, we're Jewish. It's been our calling card for like since I'm five years old. That's what I was taught to do. Right. If I want to have any any agency as an individual, right, I have to give that up. I cannot even demand that somebody give a shit, honestly. Absolutely. It I mean, it's nice if people understand history and all that stuff, but it's actually not that important if we're – it's not that important if we're going on a Bitcoin standard because that's the thing that we're all – like that's the – that's going to supersede – all of our little groups and all the, you know, all of those victimhoods, it's just some claim to some, it's like a, you know, it's no different from a dollar, right? It's a claim to some wealth that the man printed a long time ago and we, whatever, people believe they've been fucked and have some claim to it, right? But the counterparty risk on that claim and the debasement on that claim makes it zero anyway. So you may as well not cling to it and you may as well just look ahead and build, and find people, you know, and I think be getting involved in Bitcoin and meeting Bitcoiners and meeting like what I, one of the reasons I. Meeting non-victims. Get, Bitcoiners aren't I, victims. Meeting well, people who aren't victims. It's one enlightening. One of the reasons I, I drive 90 minutes to uh, Central PA, right, is because I like the, this is really getting out of my echo chamber, right? And I mm-hmm. get to actually talk plainly to people who I know don't give a fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not. And, it's and not they don't give a fuck. They 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 give many fucks. They just don't give a fuck about whatever baggage you're carrying with you. They care exactly. about you. They don't no, care exactly. about what you're dragging well, behind you. Exactly. But dude, forty-eight years living in the Northeast, right? Yeah. You you, you literally know what to expect from people. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you don't. I I don't think you can possibly understand how. First of all, how visible it is, and how refreshing it is. And, you know, when you say, man, I can't imagine how you'd get in your car and come out here and all that. It's, it's so like I really do love that group because it's so it's, it's so much more genuine and it gives me something I've never had access to. Um, and for building Bitcoin, if you're building something new, you must build on a solid foundation, right? Yes, absolutely. The f- and, so talking about foundations, you yeah. uh, so talking about building your life based on if you structure your self image around victimhood status i mean you are laying you're laying the groundwork for your own failure you can't build any kind of stable or lasting sovereignty if you're a victim if everything oh well man things could have been better for me if only x like being a victim is living in the past like to be proactive you need to live in the future look forward not look back it's like yeah horrible things have happened in the past like horrible things are going to keep happening in the past like i've had horrible things happen to me but no but like i why would i define myself like that like nobody's going to give me any sympathy for that. The, uh, but even if they do, that's even worse. You yes. understand because it lessens you. It it's weakens like, you. It's like having a broken bone that you refuse to uh, set so it can heal properly, and it's healing crooked. And as you're walking around, people are like, "Oh, that's so strong of you to heal that way." Oh yeah, you don't. Yeah, it's, you're being reinforced for negative action. But the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is like my Bitcoin node 
interacts with other Bitcoin nodes. My Bitcoin node doesn't care about your genetics, the what's dangling between your legs or not, like the color of your epidermis. Like all of this is irrelevant inside of the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin, Bitcoin wants to know, do you have the private keys to sign your transaction? If yes, all right, let's move forward. If not, then all right, fuck off. Come back when you have private keys. That's and right. That's, so Bitcoin is the foundation that will potentially allow us to move past this racial era that we're living in. Like we're focusing on the things that I drive us apart this. instead of I, the things that pull us together. I believe this to be so. And hey, you know what? Let's let's acknowledge no coincidences in the world. We are um, two days from what is now a national holiday called Juneteenth. Um, last year, at this time, I think I tweeted about it. I said, on Juneteenth, I'm going to read this book called Bitcoin in Black America by, uh, I think it's Isaiah Zay. I think it's his name. Um, goes by Bitcoin Zay. Booked literally like you could read it in a day. It's pretty amazing. Just, you know, somebody's take, you know, black guy's take on what it did for him and his community. Mm-hmm. Um, no coincidence. Maybe this is just coming up organically now, right? But, um, you know, 99% of us right now are are now in this victim vortex, then don't realize it, you know, and it's only, it's, you know, it started out with minority groups and then, you know, like a lot of white people decided they were victims now, mm-hmm. right? College educated um, white people that think, oh man, the world is against me. Well, and conservatives, right? Yeah. I mean that like, and the thing is, it's like it. You know, I I was pretty amazed. I thought like I thought that like when Joe Biden was running for president and he just acknowledged institutional racism, I thought that was like a watershed moment. You know, mm-hmm. in my you know whatever in my naivete in my my path whatever that it's done no favors for anybody. You know, actually granting victim status to anybody does them no favors. Right. It's um, I think Joe Biden is one of the most racist people I've ever encountered. I mean, he's incredibly racist, but he's championing anti anti racism and diversity. It's like you make because what happens like, look, people suffer. People do suffer. Right. And so let's say there's two paths you can go on. If you're suffering, you could either be based and fight the man and probably discover Bitcoin along the way. Right. And become part of the future. Right. And build resist. Right. Or you take basically you take the it's like they're giving out free samples of heroin and they addict you forever. Right. You take the victim status. You enjoy it. You yeah. like, ah, it's my time now. It's a right? thing that you pick up voluntarily. But you and can also put it down voluntarily. It's just difficult too. It's very difficult too. Right. Best tip. It's like, who was I telling this to? Right. I, I had this. Um, I used to have this poster, or it was like in my middle school guidance counselor's office, a poster about cigarettes, and it just said, "Best tip yet: Don't start." Mm. And um, you know, it's like my realization of being a victim is almost like I had a realization once in my life about lying, like. Wow, it makes my life a lot easier, but it also makes my life hell. And I now refuse. I refuse to live this way. <laughs> I had a very similar revelation. I, I used to lie a lot about stupid, irrelevant shit. And yeah. there was some point in my life when I had—I mean, I didn't have the revelation. I had somebody. I heard this somewhere, and it was revelatory to me: is that if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Like the only reason you have to remember things is to line up, is to remember who you lied to and what you lied about. If you tell the truth, you're only speaking from your knowledge. And so because of that, you don't have to remember anything. You're just speaking from what you know. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a, so much of a simpler way to live, to just tell the truth. Yes. And, you know, Satoshi realized that. Yeah. The money system. And right? brought it to, I mean, yeah. Right. That's a great, great parallel. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this ETF. Yeah. Let's, so let's yeah, switch that's topics. Maybe a good, good, time to, yeah. good time to transition here. Tell me about um, this ETF, this BlackRock ETF, because I don't know much about it. Well, we, yeah, okay. Well, first of all, in a spot ETF has been the holy grail for Bitcoiners forever. Right. All the memes are right. spot ETF incoming. Like, that's the thing that's going to come save us. And what is, 
What is a spot ETF? What is an ETF? Uh, stands for exchange, exchange Traded Fund. And it essentially means that normies can actually um, go out and think they can buy Bitcoin, but they can get essentially the exact exposure of Bitcoin if they for want. For people without... that view Bitcoin as an investment rather than an exit, a, a, an ETF would be a way for them to get exposure to their portfolio. Yes. Okay. A spot ETF. That's it's a key distinction because there are futures ETFs and um, f- futures markets and spot and just don't necessarily represent spot markets. Spot is a, another word. It's a word in finance for what's the actual real time, mm, right, what's, right. what's being traded, and the actual underlying asset. Spot is like a way to talk about the underlying asset. Whereas the futures is an agreement to pay the asset, and just a little anecdote. I mean, if you go back to two thousand eight, if I assume people know what the VIX is, volatility index. Yeah, it's an, uh, volatility index. It's it's a quantitatively based index based on the um, short term volatility. Mm-hmm. And you know, in two thousand eight, the VIX futures went up to like eighty, but the VIX spot index only. Actually, um, sorry, the, the spot index went up to like 80, but the futures market only went up to like 50. Okay. They had a major dislocation where people trading the derivatives actually became sentient. They got said, wrecked. If you're, tra- if you're trading on the margin on the VIX and then the VIX goes to 80 from 13. They got, yeah, they got wrecked because the market's like, this is this 80 is bullshit and we're not going there. Mm-hmm. And that can happen. So that's, you know, futures markets can be... You know, manipulate it. We'll just say futures markets can very much dislocate from the actual market. So that's why a spot market is something that people have believed. The reason why it's the holy grail. This has nothing, honestly, to do with Bitcoin in and of itself and anything you and I care about with Bitcoin, right? This has to do with um, normie adoption and price pump. So what is it? Simple as that. What is this product that that BlackRock is trying to launch? Then, if it's not at spot, it's pretty close to a spot. It's pretty close to a spot ETF, but it's it's not quite. I, I would say it's the closest thing we will we have seen thus far to a true spot ETF. But there are some restrictions and some language that um, hmm. it's more of. A, like in other words, it allows redemptions, and allow, I don't want to get like into like super technical shit, but it does. Um, the there's like a Faustian bargain that's required in order to even get to get the approval um, of surveillance, and um, at least to, like they have to prove to the SEC that they're not manipulating the price, so they have to like. Right, be, and which which is going to necessitate that they create the ability to monitor um, monitor Bitcoin. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think that maybe this is going to lead to some manipulation and all that. And I, I don't know. I I, I feel like this is an inevitable thing, right? Because people want it, right? So I am all for these legacy these legacy behemoths getting exposure to Bitcoin. Oh fuck yeah! So yeah. like. Bitcoin's I mean, going to wreck all of them. It's like, what happened to be... FTX? What happened to Mt. Gox? It's like, yeah, try try manipulating the Bitcoin market where people can self-custody their funds. But even if they succeed, right, it could succeed. And even For a if while, it, yeah. Um, I look at it from a pleb, right? Plebs hold Bitcoin, okay? And so in a, in a, in a Bitcoin standard in that system, plebs are the apex predator. Because they actually hold, they hold the actual highest possible top of the top of the food chain asset. Keys. They have their own private keys. Right? They hold their keys, and these, you know, this money that's going to pile in these pensions, these, they're not holding keys. They're subordinates. So you know, if you look in the fiat system, right, you have senior holders of debt, or you say, you have um, people closest to the money printer. Right, they have they're the top dogs, right in the fiat system, and you and I are the low low. You know we're we're holding much sub, subordinate claims, right? Mm-hmm. By the time we get those dollars, they're heavily debased and much closer to being confiscated and censored than those guys. 
right? Bitcoin, you know, we're flipped. In Bitcoin, it's flipped. The plebs actually hold this most senior, senior version of the assets, and all these so-called, you know, these so-called elites and all of the, uh, you know, the financial, the people who have gotten very well, people who have gotten very wealthy, they're going to be subordinate. In other words, one day, they are going to need the plebs to sell them their Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. If they want, you know, that that day will come. So when we say this succeeds or fails, I mean, we all know that they're going to get rugged at some point in time, right? But like, this could be successful for a while. And even if it is, you're, these these norms, these normies are going to need, you know, they're going to have to eventually capitulate and rely on the animals <laughs> yeah. right? to provide liquidity for them to actually you know, retire on their big on what they think is their Bitcoin. I think that's a good thing. Look, I think it's a good thing where in a system of perfect knowledge, open source system where everybody understands what's going on, right? Everybody understands that you don't hold your Bitcoin unless you hold the keys, right? Right. There's 9 billion people on this planet capable of understanding that, honestly, right? Toddlers are capable of understanding this, mm-hmm. probably. Okay. Well, I mean, toddlers love to say mine, mine, mine. It's like, yeah, that's Bitcoin. Yeah. So if you have your entire net worth in a pro- or, you know, you have a nice portion of your, let's, let's assume the average person in a pension or average pension puts 1% in Bitcoin, right? And then we run up to a million a coin, right? So at some point, everyone, you know, if this succeeds, the majority of people's net worth will be in this asset class, right? Mm-hmm. If you have the majority of your net worth in an asset class and you're not thinking to yourself, hmm, how does this actually work? You really do deserve, you just, uh, it's not, you know, you, not, in a mor- not in a moral way, but a you custodian deserve. custodian is the best option for you if that's the, yeah, if you don't understand what it is you're dealing with. And the thing, I mean, you know, this thing is being custodied by Coinbase, Right. It's and so I do. I have one other theory. So yeah, I I, I want to just say yes. I think this is good for Bitcoin. I think it's good for Bitcoiners. It's good for people who do the work. Okay, and we have the opportunity to buy Bitcoin now and hold our keys. We should be doing it. This thing about Coinbase, right? I have a just a little theory that. Um, you know, I know Fidelity and BlackRock. I know they all started getting in this relationship with Coinbase about a year ago, and it never made sense, right? I, you heard these things. You heard Michael Saylor say like the majority of his money is the majority of Michael Strategy's Bitcoin is in Coinbase, and it's like really. But then again, you know, I work at an institution. I'm I am not far. I'm very far, but also again not far from potentially you know recommending that they by Bitcoin, mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust anyone holding those keys. I wouldn't even trust a group of people holding those keys, right? It's I mean, like, it's been early for individuals to be in Bitcoin for a long time. We're now just finally getting into the phase where we're starting to have software and tools available to make it easier for individuals to custody. But so yeah, it makes it, sense. For, for, for big like uh, corporate players like MicroStrategy or for like your, your, your office, yeah, it's still very early and incredibly difficult for a company with that, like, yeah, multiple multiple power players at the top of it to h- how do you figure out, yeah, custody in that situation? Well, a third-party custody like Coinbase is pretty easy and easy to sell. Yes, and this didn't come up last week in our conversation about institutions just being kind of weaker versions of human beings, but this, right. would, be a, this would have been a great point to this make. This is that, where I'm flashing back to that. It's like, yeah, yeah. this is a, a direct example of how institutions are worse hodlers than individuals. Yes, like we can't just go to sleep with our, you, with one person having twelve words in their head. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, Michael Saylor doesn't want to be that guy. I mean, for it makes sense, right? So anyway, and yeah, if I was a shareholder, I wouldn't want one person to have that the failsafe. But if you now, if you're Michael Saylor, you're Naive Bukele, you're right? Your institution's keys are being held to Coinbase, right? And uh, are you not surprised that? This moves forward potentially in a significant way after the basically the SEC comes in and cleans up, essentially attempts to clean up Coinbase. Mm. Do you not think that Michael Saylor 
and Naib Bukele or whoever is acting on their behalf maybe has been saying, you know what, this is what we're not like rooting for the SEC. We're not like rooting for regulation. It's not about what's fair. It's more like maybe you guys just have to clean up Coinbase because they are custody. That you know, we don't need them to sell twenty thousand shitcoins. We need them to custody Bitcoin for the pe- the companies that actually matter and see the light. And, and maybe that's the war they've been fighting for a couple of years. And maybe we've maybe what we've seen is the chapter where that actually happened you know that kind of happened right it's, it's nice that we're finally into the this era where we're, we're seeing some action from the sec side so like, but do you not think of- that blackrock wouldn't do you really think i'm going to just posit potentially that blackrock basically said i'm not filing until we have ETF, some clarity until coinbase is on its way to being cleaned up that makes sense that that makes total sense Right. If, if Coinbase is your only morons. option, yeah, I know these, these. They're run by normies and they're incompetent, but they're not like they they, they know enough. Right? No, right. It's like I have to keep that in the back of my brain. Like I I I like to think of like politicians and no coiners as okay. Well, these are NPC idiots who are just focused on on the wrong things in their lives. But you don't get to the position at the top of a Fortune 500 company by being by being stupid. Like, yeah. you know, maybe you're focusing your attention in the wrong area. That's making it harder for you to grasp Bitcoin. But most people that are in that in that uh, caliber of employment are yeah they they didn't get there by nepotism or by being idiots. I mean uh, yeah, and it's just there's enough people who understand Bitcoin in that in that sphere that even Gary Gensler is enough to basically tell (laughs) to tell BlackRock maybe you know don't even bother filing this thing until we until we you know, clean up Coinbase. Right. Right. You know, I think I I heard um, Joe Consorti, I listened to his um, little snippet this morning, um, and he said that BlackRock has filed like for 500, over 500 ETFs, and they've only been denied once. Okay. So they so have an insane success rate. And they just, um, so they just submitted their application this week. Is that is that what the news headline was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday. So, you know, there's like a, there's there's a little Twitter pleb war about whether it's an ETF or not and all that. And um, I, this is not the, this is not necessarily the holy grail. So, you know, there's this, the Saylor trifecta. Michael Saylor said that there were three things needed for $5 million Bitcoin. FASB needed to change their rule to allow sort of fair value reflection that happened last year. Um, SEC needed to become much more clear about regulating unregistered securities. Shocker, that just kind of <laughs> that box. I think is checked. I mean, maybe some. Well, if it's not Joe Collarsari, yeah, Joe Collarsari would say, "Don't check that box until it goes through all the courts and all those things are upheld." Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's like, let's find right. out where this goes. But it's nice that the wheels are finally turning. But maybe BlackRock views that box checked. But this, so, but, right? But this, um, what this thing, this trust that BlackRock has filed for is not necessarily the check that is in the sailor criteria. So right. let's make that clear. It's definitely not GBTC. It's more, way more of a, it's way more of an ETF Bitcoin exposure than GPTC is. It's, it's not going to have, you know, it, it's going to redeem and burn uh, shares in real time, right? But it doesn't go as far. Um, and I don't, it's another person, I can't remember who said this, but they said that if it did, BlackRock wouldn't have even had to file. It was the fact that they had to file an S1 for whatever, the, for, for this trust is the statement that it's not a true blue spot ETF and I'll say checking off box three of the sailor trifecta. Gotcha. Okay. Well circling back all the way to where you started, it's like yep, I agree, like this is good for Bitcoin in the like everything's good for Bitcoin. Yeah, Yeah, it's like the wheels are turning finally in this particular dimension. It's like as a as a pleb, I mean this this is not any sort of monetary product that is appealing to me. I mean I would 
um, I, I, we ha we keep a minimum amount of fiat that we need for emergencies, and everything else is in Bitcoin. So, and all of my retirement funds at this point have already all been liquidated down to Bitcoin. So, and by the this, way, any anybody who's a new listener should just go to the last episode called what was it called? <laughs> what was uh, it? Hodling is a human yeah. action. Hodling is a human action. Just go back to that if you want to know whether or not, like, we give a shit if pension plans start buying Bitcoin. We do not. I do not give a flying shit, honestly, if pension plans start getting involved in Bitcoin. However, if they do, it's definitely going to price. The, it's definitely going to pump the price and possibly lead to the next bull market. And it's definitely going to do that. Right? Okay, yeah. And, and, and like these are all short to medium term problems anyway. If, they're, if the feds do what we all suspect they're going to do with their money printers, I mean, price, like everything, every like any S&P 500s, every equity is turned into a billion, a trillion dollar. Every hamburger is a million dollar hamburger. It's like they're going to debase, debase the dollar to the point that, that blades of grass are more valuable in terms of buying power. It's like this is, yeah, now it's, it's interesting that we're, it's like, oh, well, if pension funds are buying Bitcoin. In 20 years, like, okay, this is not even going to be discussed. Like, oh, remember that point, that weird transition phase from the legacy markets to Bitcoin when we were all, war like, we were concerned about how value was flowing into where and then to how is it going to get to Bitcoin ultimately? It's like, eventually these things are going to get sorted out. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad yeah. that these things are being sorted out because people need to use, avenues need to get created to get there from where we are. We're not going to get there from without any development. And like if Bit Bitcoin's not static, like we were talking, I was saying the, uh, the tools for hodling on an individual are day and night better than they were even two years ago. It's like, that's going to continue at, at Bitcoin's going to continue getting better. The, the fiat tools for exiting the system are going to get harder. Like there's going to be a lot of people that believe that, oh, well I have exposure to Bitcoin because I have bought like someday when we do have a, finally have a spot, a spot ETF. There's going to be people that are fooled into believing that, all right, well, I'm covered because I have this re redemption power. That's the key, dude. Uh, yeah, Boom. until you it comes down it. to the moment when the one black, whoever is running this ETF is like, actually, no, like you can't redeem any of these sets. But you just nailed it, though, because what it's people who are basically fooled into Bitcoin exposure, which is fine, great for Bitcoiners, because if you, it, if you have the real thing, you're perfectly happy with a bunch of like a bunch of NPCs thinking they have it, they're going that they have all the information to decide to determine whether they have it or not. Yeah, they have just as much information as we have. You know, you, you, right? And you know, it's um. So there's no, you shouldn't feel bad for them, but the fact is, once you're fooled into it, and if you're like an NPC to begin with, and you're getting fooled by it, you're probably unlikely to wake yourself up. And now you're going to thank you at Bitcoin exposure and you're going to like really shut the door on probably trying to learn about Bitcoin. And when it comes <laughs> to the true fiat collapse, I mean, those these people will be wrecked. I mean, it's kind of like having sympathy for people that are in a cult. It's like, yeah, I have like it, it sucks to see people that are mind controlled into like giving all their money over to some dude or who's also banging all their wives. It's like that sucks. But like try convincing that person that they're wrong. Like, no, they're, they are like, oh, no, this well, is this. You are it's it's it, you it is the wrong. That, yeah. So it is fiat a fiat is a cult. cult. This, I mean, this is one of the moves. The cult leader, BlackRock, is going to basically now take, basically use to separate people from their money, right? Mm -hmm. Like, inf they use inflation to separate you from your family, right? It's like, you know, now everybody needs to work like forever to buy the same freaking carton of eggs we used to be able to buy with. Yeah, people are financing their groceries right? now. So they've already take they've separated you from your family. This is my rant now, right? They've separated <laughs> the children from their parents by telling yes. the kids that your parents are racists. They brought you well. They they brought you into public schools and mm -hmm. indoctrinated them, and yes, they told them that all that yes, all that stuff. And um, it's Mar It's the and, Marxist playbook one hundred and one. And now they're, they're, this is another way to separate you from your money, and that's what cults do, right? And they're usually religious in nature. The state is the religion. The state is a Malthusian death cult who is just fascinated and driving us into extinction. So I'm not going to cry about um, something that's going to accelerate the future we all want, right? Yeah. 
Right. I mean, and it's, it's, it, it's kind of a, I don't really have strong feelings about it one way. It's, it, it is another thing that just happened. It's like, oh yeah, hey, uh, Nissan released a new SUV. It's like, okay, great. But our friends, right, and our family will all, will all have extra signal yeah. on the fact that that shit's bullshit. It's like you Robert know. F. Kennedy talking about Bitcoin. It's like there, there are a, cert, a small number of people out there who seeing that, I mean, BlackRock used to have some very, very negative things to say about Bitcoin. What, what did they say? The CEO of BlackRock said that Bitcoin is an index of money laundering. In 2015 or 2016, he said that. Yes. And now they're launching their own Bitcoin ETF, quote unquote ETF. It's like, yeah, so there's going to be a certain amount of institutional investors out there that see that. That yeah, maybe that's this will that's be capitulation. Thing. Right, you're right. That's this is capitulation. They've they've like J.P. Morgan capitulated. Now now we've seen BlackRock capitulate. And the next thing is going to be all of their investors capitulating mm. to Bitcoiners. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> damn. Yeah. Like as you get like if you were an institutional investor and you were getting exposure to Bitcoin via that, like inevitably you're going to discover what it is you're invested in, and then. Well, boy, man, the, the run for the door from institutional level, like that that's going to be chaos. Think about this for a second, right? BlackRock's entire business is based on um, having enough voting shares to influence the things that the, the major um, pieces of their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Well, once Bitcoin is the major piece of their portfolio, right? They're, oh, damn. They're going to have zero say. The way they rush around and push out ESG mandates on all of their uh, all of the companies they own, like the majority shares in, it's like that's you're right. That's a good point. But at some point, they, they may be pushing. There's nobody. For to, there's nobody to call. It's like okay, well, we have this product now to sell to sell a Bitcoin ETF. So all of the companies that we own twenty percent of, all of you now, we're going to start pushing you to accept Bitcoin for all of your payments, and that's going to pump our ETF. Yeah, and maybe it's a good time for Bitcoiners to just appreciate why um why it's good that bitcoin is not a proof of stake network right yeah blackrock may blackrock might actually think that it is a proof of stake network they might actually think that they're going to be able to buy some we buy enough of it we can control the network yeah i mean i think they're smart enough to know that they can't trust coinbase selling a shitcoin casino but they may be dumb enough to actually think that they can eventually control this now i, I think there's have, in, there's yeah. definitely individuals in there that are smart enough to to make that realization but just the way that blackrock has been taught to operate in the past what 50 years has been, this has been yeah you pump in fiat money and you take control so i mean i'm sure that's how they're approaching bitcoin it's like we're gonna pump in money and then we can control it and then so for bitcoiners like okay oh, yeah good luck with that it's like bring bring that trojan horse inside your wall bro yeah go talk to uh, you know go talk to barry yeah, right. There is you know, no Bitcoin is a one-way door. There's, there's right. no deprogram. Yeah, it's, it's by the, design. You and it's like it is a hash function, right? Right. Yeah, the the hash <laughs> function, the one-way hash function, one-way door, one-way hash. It is function. a one-way door by physics. Like this once is what, you grasp right? the significance of Bitcoin, it's like oh, okay. It really comes down to man. The only thing that could get me back into fiat is if the feds offered a competing product that was compete that was actually competitive. It's like that's the only thing that I could think be would be a serious competitor to Bitcoin is if the feds actually got their act together and produced a money that people actually wanted. That's the only case. It's you know, when I aped in, I remember saying to my wife, the only downside to Bitcoin is if the powers that be just see the light. That's yeah. never going to happen. No. And by the way, do you know who owns more Bitcoin probably than Larry Fink? Who's that? Vl- Vlad Putin. Yeah. Yeah. That, did you see the uh, the miner panel that just came out of Moscow? I did not. Oh, my God. I saw but it. I, there's this panel where they all each have an individual flask of vodka. It's like, yeah, Russia is getting into the mining game in, in Russian themes. Yeah, but, I mean, does, does Vladimir Putin ever behave in a way that he thinks he actually has any control over bitcoin no i've never seen him right give any indication that he well, even an indication like one day like i'm gonna basically control this there's nothing no has zero, he made any none. public statements about bitcoin I, I know that he's made public statements about one crypto in general i think the one time when he said that maybe he would accept bitcoin from friendly countries for oil 
Yeah. So I mean, he he. I know that he. So Russia's central bank has discussed that. Yeah, they're they're opening what they will accept for from friendly friendly countries. And so uh, yeah, I think Putin was referencing that central bank directive that he gave them. But yeah, I, I just bring that up because we live also in a world that has been completely like psyoped to believe that he is the most meg- megalomaniacal human being on this earth. Yeah. Okay. Like, and- He's and he's no good guy. Like let let's like make no mistakes about it. Even yeah, he's if he not a is, great guy. Right. But even if he is, right? That's like the greatest example I have for what like how nobody can control Bitcoin. Even he understands. Mm. He may be able to uh attack the Ukraine at will. He may be able to, you know, whatever demolish whatever he wants, but he doesn't try to control Bitcoin. He actually knows it. he knows his limits. Yeah, the, we have to right. participate as equals in this network. It's like North North Korea has been using Bitcoin for six years now that we know of. Uh, like they don't have. I've never seen any indication that the North Koreans or Kim Jong Il or Kim Jong Un had like the, the, like. Oh yes, we can control this to gain a one up foot over the over the uh, imperialists. It's like no, they're yes. just they're just using the network as as individuals users. But I think that BlackRock and Larry Fink have the hubris that either they they think they'll be able to control it or they think that Bitcoin will eventually morph into something they can't control. I think they think this. And that's going to be, maybe that's the big test. Maybe that's really what we're, um, you know, maybe that's really what the collision course we're on is, is that the big test? Is that the big move by the U.S. government? Is that the, you know, where if Bitcoin resists this and everybody realizes it and sees it, right? It's like, the block size war on steroids, and that's really that's really ha- the path towards the capitulation in the million dollar coin and yeah. beyond. At right? some at some point, Russia will come out publicly that oh, hey, we are mining Bitcoin. It's, and at that point, I mean, we'll see how we'll see how the West responds to that. I mean, pro- we we can guess. I mean, it's going to be vilification, but at some point, I mean, we're going to have to start playing ball too. I think some this this thing will happen probably sometimes in the next 15 years i would guess we're gonna see like you'll know that bitcoin is one when we start parking carriers each aircraft carrier has two nuclear reactors on them so you know what's more profitable than projecting force across the entire planet to prop up your legacy fiat just park those carriers and mine bitcoin with those with both of those reactors it's like at some point Hmm. all of these all of these american warships that are running running on nukes i mean assuming they don't get sunk are going to end up parked outside of various cities, like powering the cities and hopefully mining Bitcoin. And I guess protecting the, the mining sites. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're at some point ha- having anti-air capabilities is going to become a standard part of a Bitcoin mine. Yeah. That was a question I used to, I, when I first got into Bitcoin. I used to ask, like, why doesn't the U.S. just send a missile into El Salvador's vol- volcano? Well, we're getting into uh, Jason Lowry territory now. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Maybe we'll save that for another time. You know, because I need like thirty minutes to preamble my fucking views on the the Jason Lowry thing. I think the important takeaway that we can take <laughs> Jason Lowry and all of the other people that we've talked about for the past hour is that Bitcoiners should kill their like. I encourage each and every one of you out there to kill your heroes. Like I will bit- say his name at least. Uh, like not, um, I will say his name. Unlike um, Eric Voskel, who on the Nostrovia podcast just kept referring to him as Space Boy. Space Boy. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Lowry. I will at least say his name. Major Lowry. He's a major. Him. Yes, and I will give him that, like the respect of a human being with a name and a voice. And yeah. I think people should I, I know mean, that. I'm a veteran, like as a like I, I respect him from that. Like I respect what he's doing. It's like I, I may not agree with all all his conclusions, but I think that's probably one of my more controversial opinions in the Bitcoin space. That I don't seem to have a problem with J- as as much of a problem with Jason as it seems everybody else does. See, I feel like everybody is like just enamored with this. It's become it's like a dinner party conversation. Like, are you cool? Like, are you hip? Are you well read? Have you are you like, you know. This is, it's like, um, you know, science fiction. Like, are you up on the latest cool theory here about... Soft war. You know, so, yeah, you know what I mean? And I'll do, like, I really do want to respect the people that have read this book. Because I, there are people who have read this book and have 
told me I should read it. I read it. And I have it. I haven't read it. I do intend to read it. And I want to like say like, like I want to be able to, I want to be able to say what I need to say without, and to people understand that there's zero disrespect in this. Like there's nothing but respect. Like people are trying to spread signal, right? I mean, that's, I am not ready. I am not ready to see the signal and I need people to understand why that is, why I'm not ready to see it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like, um, I have a very hard time articulating, um, a very hard time articulating this particular nuance where I see a person who I do respect and has said many things that I agree with, and I just think his basic, what he calls his thesis, is not a pertinent thing to me, even though, right? And it's, I feel like he's, sometimes I feel like he was psyoping me with all of these kind of things that, he, these platitudes that I agreed with just to get me, just to try to like, you know, give me the uppercut of his thesis. But I'm like, no, I don't really. So that, that's what's, that, that's my barrier. Like I've listened to him on all of the podcasts he's been on. So probably, you know, clearly dozens and dozens of hours of podcasts. I don't want to really get into this. But yeah, no, um, I think a good way for us to close out is just yeah, what where we're at right now is like, yeah, kill your heroes. Don't nobody is above criticism. It's like a, there was a yeah. long time in my life that I held Elon Musk above criticism. And then all of his bullshit about Dogecoin came out and it was really difficult for me. But yeah. I, like coming through that now, like I now we're like, oh, yeah, intelligence is not universal. Intelligence is, is dimensional. And I can acknowledge that Elon Musk is a brilliant engineer in one aspect and He's either blatantly lying, so he's either revealing the quality of his ethical character, which is awful by what he's doing with Dogecoin, or more likely, he just doesn't get it, which, I mean, it shows you how dimensional intelligence is. He's, he's building rockets, which are, have already flown, like, to, out to geostationary orbit, and yeah, he's building things that work, like, the things that work in the real world, but in this other dimension over here, whereas per, for us who have done the work, and we, we can tell immediately how wrong he is about a subject... Yeah. But, yeah. So kill your heroes, Jason Lauer. If Jason Lauer is your hero, I encourage you to find the like. Don't hold him above above reproach. Everybody deserves him. criticism. I respect him. He's moved me. He's he's moved me emotionally with some of his thoughts. But so let me let's end on something. Right after kill your heroes, I want to end on a group of people that actually are my heroes, which okay. is the Canadian Bitcoiners. And shout out. There's Canadian Bitcoin conferences happening this weekend. They really are my heroes. I got into Bitcoin really through, um, you know, the freedom movement around um, medical tyranny. And, you know, I've always just really then looked up to Canadians who supported that protest and tried well, to use if Bitcoin. If there's anywhere in the world that needs the freedom and sovereignty offered by Bitcoin, it's Canadian Bitcoiners. I mean this like the bottom of my heart, Canadian Bitcoiners and everyone like they're, they're total signal monsters. Um, and I love I love them. And I really am. Um, I got my antenna up for true signal coming out of that conference. I can't wait to see some videos leaked out. That's all I wanted to say about that. Shoulder and a scar from a boulder that cut him right across his vein. Mouth of sucking cigar and a shovel of tar in the crater of a turnpike terrain. He's got only one hope and he walks to a low. Sideway and chill is driving him insane. We gotta get on the road. Destiny unbound. She's the one for me. We gotta get out of town. Chill was a daffodil with a cactus sense of pride. Out the of a tree.
tractor, she was quite an impactor When the road rocks started to slide Spot Bill dropped a shovel on a pile of gravel As he climbed up out of his ditch And she was wonderstruck when he climbed in her truck Said I've been having this everlasting end Said we gotta get on the road Destiny and bound 